disappointing. How many guys, for those visitors first, we had a real men gathering, a conference for, for men over the weekend. And can I honestly say, um, <laughs> I probably say it every year, it was the best ever this year. It was so, so good. So, so good. It's like God takes us on this journey, but he takes us up a notch every time, just an, an extra notch, which enables us to say it was the greatest conference I've ever been to. How many went? Yeah. That's amazing. I counted close to 60 Silverwater men. Ladies, can I just tell you now, you may not have seen a change straight away in your men, but I guarantee you their prayer life has changed. I guarantee you that your circumstances and situations at home will change in time as they take authority, a God-given authority in each of them that they will claim God's goodness and promises for, your, for their wives, for their children, for their businesses, for their home and for their life in Jesus' name. So the question comes, who's coming next year? Come on, who's planning to come next year? And who are you going to bring? You've got to bring someone. It is so good that I feel bad if I don't invite a couple of people because that's such a good thing. I want to share a little um, testimony, if I may. A couple, actually, I'll be brief. Um, I invited, I sent a text out to a few people um, before the conference, a couple weeks before the conference, and a gentleman by the name of Andrew Dallow, some of you may remember him, he used to come to this church, okay? He replied to me, Mick, I'd love to catch up, and my son Levi has just turned 12, and I want to bring him to his first men's conference. And I thought that was an amazing um, response. Anyway, show up on Friday night, busyness, you know, guys, atmosphere, I couldn't quite sort of catch up with him, but after the word was preached, I looked, there was an altar call, and can I tell you, it just was not big enough, they were lining up at the queue, men's hearts were open to receive that night, it was just amazing, so my friend Andrew, I looked across, and there's my friend Andrew, and he's got his hand on his son, on his son Levi's shoulder, at the altar call, I couldn't help but shed a tear and go up and give them both a hug, he received Christ for the first time. That is amazing. If that conference was put on only for that little boy, it was worth it. And another, another testimony I heard this morning from my friend Darren, his daughter, 18-year-old, um, due to circumstances, hasn't been speaking to him, but Friday night session broke something in the way he prays and the way we pray, and he kind of started taking authority over this thing. And then on Saturday morning, the phone is vibrating. He was wise to have it on vibrating only. <laughs> the phone was vibrating in his pocket. He didn't want to look because he was in worship. But when he did finally look, it was a message from his daughter. Sorry, Dad, haven't spoken to you for a while. Busy doing stuff. Something broke. Something broke. And God just answered a prayer. So I want to start by saying, men, women as well, let's change our attitude of prayer Let's just stand there and just really attack the devil that's coming against us. Let's stand there and claim the promises of God. Let's be front-footed about it. Let's be just forceful into just pushing ourselves. And, you know, who cares about my circumstance right now? I just want to get into his presence because when I get into his presence, things are going to change. My circumstance is going to change. And the atmosphere will change around me. So we just push whether I feel like it or not because I know my God's going to meet me. My God's going to make me, I'm just going to push forward. I'm going to fight that devil. I'm going to stomp on his head in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Couldn't help but um, repeat what Pastor Greg French said. The strength of the church lies in the strength of its men. So I just want to finish off with one thing. Men, I want to encourage you. Be at church, front-footed, in front of your family every Sunday. Be at the prayer meetings. Lead. With the, that's, that's our weapon. That's what we've got. Lead your family in warfare. Show up at the prayer meetings. Fight for your family. Fight for your lives. Fight for this country. Fight for this city. Fight for your work. Lead your family with prayer. Thank you, Lord. That's enough about men now. <laughs> now we're going to talk about the main man, the main man, Jesus Christ. Today, there's a journey that I want to um, just walk us through. And again, something happened in worship on Friday night that birthed this message. So I had a different message that I've been um, pondering upon. And on Friday night, in worship, before the preaching started, it was kind of like God just gave me a, a download and I couldn't just help. So I just pray our hearts would be open to receive. And I pray <laughs> that I, I was sensitive enough to actually hear from him and bring this forward. And I know that his word's always life-giving and life-changing. So if we go to, um, in Matthew, Chapter 16, verse 13 to 20. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Um, then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter. Upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it, and I will give you the keys and the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. We've heard stories about Jesus. Um, in the context of this, we're coming, Jesus coming to the end of his days. This is the end. He's getting close and um, he comes up and he wants to see you know, how much his disciples have actually learned. So throughout these last three years, three and a bit years, they've seen Jesus do the miraculous They've heard Jesus come up with things they've never, ever heard of and spoken in authority that no one, no one has ever seen or heard. And he comes up to them and he says, who do people say that I am? Because you guys are, are walking the streets, you know, you, you're going to work, you're doing all your stuff, people are talking. He wasn't a very popular man, but yet he seemed to attract the multitudes wherever he went. Whether they came to see what the actual gig was, or whether they came because they had a need that they thought he might be able to meet. But a powerful question, who do people say that I am? And I'd say there was a bit of a silence like in a classroom, um, guessing competition, hope I get this right, you know? And then I wonder, 
with the answers that they came up with, was it really what they were thinking he was? And they were just saying that people say, you're Elijah. Some people were saying you're Jeremiah. Some people were saying you're a prophet of some kind. We know you're a man from God and sent by God. But who, that, who do they say that I am? And they're there sitting questioning and they're thinking in their hearts, who is he? Although they spent all these years with him, they're questioning their hearts, who is he? And then when the rubber hits the road, he turns around and he says, now who do you say that I am? That same silence that we have now was probably back then. Whoa, how do I answer this one? He wasn't asking strangers. He was asking the closest people to him. These 12 have walked with him for the last three and a bit years. They've ate with him. They've worked with him. They've slept with him. They've done everything with him. And yet, the question's asked, who do you say that I am? There was a silence. I don't, should I? Nah. Nah. So awkward. There was that silence. No one dared to answer because of fear of getting it wrong. We sit in church week in, week out. For how many years for some of us? Five, 10, 15, 20 years. And I challenge that if Jesus was here today, standing here on this, on this platform, asking us, who do you say that I am? Would there be an awkward silence? Or would there be a roar that rises up from within us because we actually do know him? See, I had a, I had a little um, get-together, let's call it, with, with a friend of a friend. And he was learning to become uh, a priest, and um, he was doing theology, studying the Word. Can I tell you? Oh, man, he put me to shame. He knew the Word back to front. There was nothing I can quote that he didn't already know. He knew everything there was to know about Jesus. He knew everything there was to know that's written in the word about God. He knew everything. But yet he did not know him. See, there's a difference with reading a book and knowing about him to the difference there is when you actually know him. Out of the 12... Only one of them had the guts to jump up and say, you are Jesus Christ, together meaning the Son of God, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Out of the 12, only one of them dared. And he didn't go to Google. He didn't check on Wikipedia to what you know, it would say. He didn't look at all the blogs. And I'm so grateful that he didn't. I really am. But he looked at his heart. And I believe there was a time, that divine time that he just stood there in that awkward silence 
and started to recollect all the things that Jesus has said, all the things that Jesus had done. And then the revelation came. It was out of his heart that he spoke. He says, you are the Christ, son of the living God. Why? Because he knew him. He has spent time with him. He knew who he was. And he wasn't scared about getting it right or wrong anymore because this is a knowing. Do you know when you know someone? You know someone. I can tell you a lot of things about, I, I think I mentioned this once before. Uh, Fraser Rose came up and said to me, I know Evander Holyfield. I know everything you want to know about him. I know what he wears to bed and what he wears to work. I know his kids' names, his birth dates. I know what they have for breakfast, what they have for dinner, what they have for lunch. I know what days they have off and go to play golf and cricket and whatever. He said, I know everything you want. It's all in his text. It's all in his book. It's all in his biography. He's never met the guy. Have you met him? I, I'm, not, I'm not here to make anyone feel bad, believe you me but I'm, I'm, I'm here to kind of challenge us, challenge our heart, challenge the reason to why we are sitting where we are sitting on a Sunday morning, challenge the reason that we do come to church. The entire thing relies on knowing him. Everything we, the church stands for, it was built upon this faith it was built upon this one confession that Peter made. Because he was Jesus' response. We can have that up on the screen. He says, this was not revealed to you by man. Because no Google, no Wikipedia, no blog could have told you this. This was only revealed to you by the Holy Spirit, by God himself. So what's that telling me? That's telling me that as I get to know him, as I get to spend time with him, the Holy Spirit that he's promised to me, okay, will show me and teach me all things. So therefore, I'm receiving power from on high to have revelations. We hear the words, and sometimes we think, okay, what do they mean? Revelation? So God reveals something in my heart that is real that's always been a mystery. We have questions. I hope my son doesn't mind me saying this. Last night we had a really good time and I just wanted to test what was going on in this message. So I asked him, he asked me, what's your message about? And I said, it's about who Jesus is. He goes, what do you mean? I said, who is Jesus? And he says, okay, in one context, are you asking me? <laughs> yeah, I know you guys can laugh too because that's the same question you're asking me. In what context are we asking this question? Seriously? I struggled because I asked him the question three times and it was kind of like I could see that there was a worry, a concern that he might get the wrong answer. See, but it's not about right and wrong. It's who is he to you? So it's every answer is going to be a right answer. Who is he to you? But do you want to know him the way Peter knew him? That's what it boils down to. You know, the church, I look at the church, can I just say, it's so easy, I hope Pastor Holly and Natalie 
except what I'm about to say. It's so easy to pick on this church. The lights are too bright. The air conditioning's too high. The music's too loud. The seats aren't warm enough in the morning. The doors, man, they get stuck every now and then. The coffee's not the best. Sorry. Sorry. We can sit here and look and we will find rips in the carpet, scratches on the floor. We can stand in the church and find things that are wrong in the church. But can we have a, a renewed way of thinking? Can we start looking for things that are right in the church? We stand on a faith that was confessed, a confession that was made 2,000 years ago. The rock, the rock that this church is built on it's the foundation that Jesus laid. He was the cornerstone. Can we start believing that we have two of the best pastors in the world leading, leading this church into its future? Can we start seeing good things about the church that, you know, like we have so many great people of many different cultures that just love and love and love and love on each other. Why is it that it's so easy to look at what's wrong with things when it's really just as easy to look at what's right with this church? And can I just say, I've been here since 2002. I'm so in love with this church. I'm so in love with what God's doing and I'm seeing the fruit of its labor. And it's all because it stands on the foundation that was laid over 2,000 years ago. Jesus, Son of God, living God, my Savior, my healer, my provider, my friend. That's who he is. That's who we're talking about this morning. When Jesus replied to Simon, you are blessed, verse 17, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not see this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not prevail. I don't know if we really truly understand what Jesus said. Um, on, based on this one confession, wow, Peter, you're the man. That was the right answer. It was the best answer. The church is going to be built upon what you just said. I'm not giving glory to Peter because in the next couple of verses, Jesus rebukes Peter because he was getting in the way of things. You know what I mean? I'm giving glory to Jesus here. But the confession... The confession. He says that the power of hell will not prevail. Do you know, um, has anyone experienced power from hell? Like, has anyone had anyone who was sick and not knowingly why they were sick or depression and not knowing what's going on? Has anyone experienced this stuff? Can I just tell you, I read some stories in, in the Bible and most of that is a demonic attack upon your person. 
So if Jesus makes this statement that if I stand on the foundation that's laid, that Jesus is the Son of God, I will receive power to overcome even death. That the power of hell will have nothing on me. Nothing at all on you or your family. Why do you think we went to this conference on Friday night and the message was there, how are you praying? Are you staying saying, God, can you please help me? My situation is kind of like a little bit like that. Why can't we see it for what it is? There is an enemy, he is attacking the church and he is attacking each and every one of us. And for us men who are leaders, okay, will stand forward, pull out their sword, which is the word of God, and fight that demon. Cast that demon right out of your situation, right out of your life. Cast sickness, cast poverty, cast bad relationships. He wants to split every marriage apart. Why? Because there's power in unity. And he just wants to break us all apart. And he, Jesus, makes this comment that upon this confession, when you know who he is, he is God Almighty. There's power, no power, no power will come against you. The Bible says it again, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Why? Because we know who he is. We know who he is. That the gates of hell will not prevail. And that was the first time the church was ever, like, word was ever placed in the Bible. I will build my church. You don't like it? You don't have to be part of it. But I will build it. You don't like the sound system? It doesn't worry me. I will build it. You don't like the air conditioning? It doesn't worry me. I will build it. Jesus says, I will build my church. Do you want to be in church? Do you want to be where Jesus is? Do you want to be a part of what Jesus is building? Then come to church and agree with Jesus and know who he is, that he is the son of God and that he will build the church. For what reason? So that many out there will come to know him. Our church today here at Silverwater is a testimony of that faith. I look at the things that have just happened recently. It's only been, what, last 12 to 24 months. C3 Care Silverwater. Loving on the people of the community. Seeing so many of them healed from diseases, from, from sicknesses, from depression. And coming into a family where they're loved on, where they're fed, where they're clothed. And getting to know him more and more. Seeing what goes on at Bankstown, we just heard Pastor Nat. What's happening at Bankstown? Mighty things are happening at Bankstown. There's a move of God because of the foundation, because of the foundations. See, strong foundations, no building's gonna be moved. No earthquake's gonna shake it loose because the foundation that's laid is strong. How do you think? I see, oh, I gotta tell you this story. C3 Auburn cares. Throughout the month of Ramadan, we still continued to go into Auburn, feed the people, love on the people, sing a worship song, and spread the word. We've got a couple of people that are regulars. Even through the month of Ramadan, for those that don't know, you've got to fast through the month of Ramadan. Can I just tell you, I was blown away at the faithfulness of God that men showed up and they couldn't eat. So they didn't come just for the food. That blew me away. He said, sorry, this is our month of Ramadan. We're not eating today. We're just coming to sit with you. They sat. 
They fellowshiped. They praised God. They heard the word. I believe they left with something small. Because God is so good. Because God is so, so good. Grace and power. That's what he's offered us. So if we zoom in a little bit, and, and we turn around and we think like, and we're always doing this, looking for ways to build a church. Okay, we're looking for strategies, we're looking for different programs, we're looking for better preachers, better worshipers, better, better everything. Why? Because we want to build a church. But, you know, we go back to one thing that has been said. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit, oh God. And the spirit comes in this revelation that Jesus is the son of God, that he's already laid the foundation, that the church will be built. No matter what my thoughts are about it, no matter what the enemy's thoughts are about it, no matter how I think about it, no power will come against building the church of God. So my, choice, my question to us is, are we gonna hop onto this train? Are we gonna stand there and oppose it? Are we gonna hop on and just move with what God wants to do? Or are we gonna stand in its way and just get tumbled over? Because that's what will happen. There's nothing that's gonna stop the church from being built. Jesus is the rock. Let's not get confused. Jesus is the rock. He is the cornerstone. Whatever you're building, at home, relationships, businesses, whatever you're building, make him the foundation of that building. And I guarantee you, the word guarantees you, God guarantees you, you'll see fruit in your world. You will prosper. This thing will be built in Jesus' name. Amen. When God asked us that we come to know him, there was a song we sang earlier. Laura, is that okay if I can ask you to put that up? I kind of, in the worship, um, I kind of just asked if we can play it because I really think it had so much power. We sing it and it's a great song to sing. But do we ever sort of like just take time to, to ask ourselves what it is that we're actually saying? Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Jesus. See, knowing him, you know that that's who's gonna break that power in my life. Again, I was speaking to um, one of my boys and we're talking about sin. And I believe he had some really great questions. Honestly, it was a time that I kind of cherished, okay? He had some great questions. How does God feel about when the sin or the temptation to sin is way too hard to not to do it? And I said, well, God says in his word that he sympathizes with our weakness. See, he created me, so he knows where my weaknesses are. But he says, in your weakness, when you draw power from me, you'll overcome. I said to him, well, hang on. In, in one of the scriptures, I think it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, you will not be allowed to be tempted beyond what you can. Come on. He, he won't let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. And he says, you know what? Even when you are tempted, there'll be a door. It'll say, there's the exit. You can get out now. So what's it based on? A decision. Why am I making these decisions? Because I know who breaks the power of sin and darkness in my life. I know. Why, how do I know? I'm not showing off, guys, but I do know him. I do know him. 
You know, you saw Kathy, you saw Natalie, you saw Hannah on their knees. Who do you think they're bowing to? Who do you think they're kneeling down to? They know him. They're honoring him. They're worshiping him because he is so worthy. He is so, so worthy. You know, we talk about tithing, and a lot of people kind of cringe when the tithing message comes up. Do we have to talk about this every week? Well, you know what? He's worthy. When you get this revelation of who he is, when you get to know him, you know how worthy he is. You can't help but respond. See, it's not, it's, it's just a response. He first loved me. I didn't make a choice to love him. He first loved me. My response now that I've got this revelation that he loved me no matter what, wow. Wow. I, I can't help but saying, wow. He f- I'm the unlovable. Only my mother could love me and she struggled. But yet God loved me. It's not funny. Ask her. She'll tell you. <laughs> he loved me. I'm telling you the truth. My testimony is that I stood in church and I heard that he loved me and died for me even while I was a sinner. Even while I was a sinner. And my way of thinking was, hang on, I'm a sinner. I'm going to hell anyway. Who gives a damn? Just keep on sinning, brother. <laughs> like that was, my, that was my doctrine. But yet something broke. Something broke when I walked out the front. Something broke when I said, I do believe who you are, that you are the King of Kings, you are the Lord of Lords. You know, something broke when I found out how much he actually loves me. Sometimes we go and try and spread God's love like this, hell. You're going to hell if you don't believe unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Burn. We don't, that's not his message. I don't see that in his word. I see that he loves you so much that he doesn't want any one of you to perish in any way. He wants each and every one of us to have a life of abundance. That's the way we preach the gospel. We don't attack people. Please, don't say you come to Silverwood if that's the way you're preaching outside these walls. Please. God's love. It's the gospel. It's good news. It is good, good, good news. We don't preach bad, bad, bad news. We preach good news. The only thing that we preach bad about is the devil. He's bad. Whose love is mighty and so much stronger. I I can't see any attack there. It's about his love. Mighty and so much stronger than anything that I could do. The Bible says that love covers all. Wow. A multitude of sins love covers. I'll put my hand up. I've got a multitude behind me. But they're covered by his blood. Cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I wake up every morning knowing that I've got a clean slate. I've confessed to him. I've fallen. I've stood up and I've said, I'm sorry. And another great question my son asked me was, how how can God forgive you if you keep doing it, like if you do it again? And I said, you know what? I can only tell you what he said. He said, I will forgive you and remember your sins no more. And he goes, can God really forget? I said, no. He makes a choice not to bring it up again. Because his love for you says, you know, I've forgiven you. We've dealt with it. Let's move on. Let's just move on. You know, and, and one of the greatest scriptures that I've kept with me for a long, long time is that if I confess, 1 John 1, 9, if I confess 
my sins. He is faithful. Please hear me. He is faithful to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me. This is where it starts. And cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So there's something that happens every time I come to him and just say, you were right. That was a wrong thing for me to do. Okay, I can do better. I'm gonna move on. He says he'll start to cleanse me. So the more I go to him, the cleaner I become. The more I go to him, the cleaner I become. The more I go to him, the cleaner I become. Temptation, man gets weaker and weaker and weaker in my life because I continue on confessing and confessing. And what is confession? I hope I'm not moving away from the subject too much, but what is confession? It's agreeing with God that that was wrong. That's all it is. Like, let's not make it huge. It's kind of saying, hey, you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, you, you know, that's, that's wrong. I agree with you. Okay, I want to move on. I want to move on. Next verse, please, Laura. Just quickly. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? I don't know if you've had your world shaken, but I've had my world shaken a few times. One of the most major times, if I can have the band come up, please. One of the most major times was um, when I first became a Christian. What I mean by that is when I actually stopped this act that I thought I knew him and actually made a confession to want to know him. It shook my world. It shook my world, turned it around 180 degrees. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. For it is, okay, here we go. God saved you by his grace when you believed. See, the term believe is kind of loosely placed in English, I can't find the word that kind of represents what he's saying. Um, to believe, there's, there's kind of like, if you believe I'm a good fisherman, say amen. <laughs> you will make every effort to come fishing with me no matter what the cost, because you believe you're gonna catch fish when you come out with me. So the minute here where it says, God saved you by his grace, when you believed, when you actually believed, who he is. So that's, that's what it's getting down to. Like, this is a fine print here. It's all about him. And you can't take credit for this. See, I can't take credit for anything that I do because it was a free gift that he gave me. I just had to believe it. It was freely given. It is a gift from God. And salvation is not a reward for the good things I've done. So I can't boast about it. So I can't tell you of the mighty things that I've done. But I can tell you the mighty things that God's done through me. I can tell you I've laid hands on, on, on a guy without knowing that he had a sore back and he confessed that he was healed. I can tell you that I spoke a word of life and, and, and men sort of kind of changed and it spoke to them and it changed their circumstances. I can tell you that I've prayed for people and, I, and I've seen the power of God just move in that situation after I prayed. I can tell you I've done those things, but I can tell you I give him glory for everything that I've done. Not, not condemning in any way. I wanna ask again, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? Do you know him or just know of him? You know, you might, you might have been in church for 20, 30 years. Please don't feel bad about this. This is just an opportunity for you 
to go to the next level in your journey. Seriously. And it's so important. And, and it brings power into your life and into your situation. You know, you, you look at pastors and you look at leaders and you say, what have they got, man? Why are they so blessed? They've got the power of God. They're, they're knowing Him more and more and more and more. And you can know Him more and more. Come to the altar. Come to the prayer meetings. Don't just be a textbook person. You can go to uni and, and study the whole Bible and know it back to front. But without really spending time with Him and knowing Him, you're not going to experience the power that He has for each and every one of us. The power that He says that death could not even match. Because, you know, they crucified Him. But yet, <laughs> He went down there, gave the enemy a punch in the nose, <laughs> took the keys and came back up. Resurrected life. That's what each and every one of us can have, a resurrected life. So I'm going to ask you to, I don't know, trust that God is real. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads in a minute. And I'm going to ask, do you know him? And if you don't, can you be bold? I bind the power of confusion. I bind the power of pride. I bind the power of Satan that would stop anyone from responding to God's call. In Jesus' name. But can you be humble enough to say, you know, I want to know him. Because he wants to meet with you today. This isn't like a show that's put on. This is real. And he wants to meet with each and every one of us. So I want you to be bold in your response. And if you know him, man, I'm so happy for you guys. I pray more of him in your life, more of his grace, more of his spirit. But if you don't, you can make a move this morning. You can make a decision this morning to come closer to the King of Kings. Can I have everyone's heads bowed, eyes closed? Father God, Lord, you're awesome. You love your people, Lord God. So if that's you, and if you're struggling right now to answer the question of who do you say Jesus is, if you want to get to know him in a mighty way, if you want to just revive something that has kind of become, I don't know, a bit stale in your life, the relationship with him, can I boldly ask you to put your hand up right now? I just want to pray a simple prayer with you. I want to pray for you. I want to stand with you. I want to believe with you. God's real. God's real. So with everybody's heads bowed, who will be the first this morning? Come on. Who will be the first this morning to say, I want to know him more? Thank you. I see that hand. Is there someone else here? I'm telling you, when I prayed about this altar call, I saw more than one person. You might be struggling right now in your heart. You might be struggling like, what will people think? Who gives a damn? Seriously, dude. We're coming before God Almighty, not before man. And He wants to do some great things in you. Is there anyone else that's going to be bold enough to put their hand up this morning? Thank you, I see that hand. God loves you guys, I see that hand as well. Who else? Who else? Thank you, I see that hand. 
I'm telling you, God is real. I see that hand. God is real. And he just wants to meet with you this morning. Meet with you this morning. 30 seconds. Anybody else? I know you're there and I know it's tough. And I'm willing to wait that extra 30 seconds for you to put your hand up. Is there anyone else? 10 seconds. Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Okay, guys, look up here for a sec. You know, even though back in the day, the disciples didn't face what we face today. They faced a lot worse fate. The disciples were seeing crucifixions along the road, which meant if they kind of came out in the open and believed unto the Lord, that's what they were going to be facing. Some of them were thrown in the Colosseum. Lions, that's what they were facing. Some of them had to answer to the Roman Empire. That's what they're facing. And sometimes, and again, please take this from a good heart, and sometimes we worry about what the person next to us is going to say or think. So please, if you didn't put your hand up, just join us as we come out. Those that put their hand up, please come down. I just want to pray with you guys just quickly. Thanks, guys. Come on out, bro. I just want to pray with you. Awesome. Thank you. going to pray a prayer with these guys. Can I be honest? I still believe there's one or two people out there. If you feel like coming down right now, please, I'll, you know, won't wait too long, but just come down. Just come and join us. We're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask these guys to kind of repeat after me. Can I also ask you guys to encourage them and repeat after me as well? And believe, believe that God's just going to do a mighty work in each and every one of their lives, because that's who God is, man who God is. So can you just repeat after me, guys? Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your word that brought life. Father, I confess that I am a sinner, but you love me so much that you paid my debt. I open my heart to you, Lord, and I ask you to come in to be my Lord, to be my Savior. Father God, become real in my life and fill me with the promise of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Father, I just thank you so much, Lord God, for an open